We'll, uh, we'll continue this morning. Merry, happy, almost New Year to you. Tomorrow, it's New Year, it's a new day, right? New Year. You got to learn. I just was getting used to writing 2017. It happens every, every time, right? Every time. Yeah. Well, hey, good morning. It's good to see you. How was your Christmas? Yeah, good? Blessed? Good. Well, excited to, to be here today. Just so you're aware, our, our youth uh, from our church and in the area and a bunch of staff from this church got back last night from the State Youth Conference. So, yeah, excited about that. It was, it was such a blessing. My wife and I were actually able to attend this conference. We haven't been for about four years. And I think that was about the time we had kids. That makes sense, right? But we were able to, to give them to grandpa and grandma, and uh, we had a great time doing that as well. But, but I know a lot of people are dragging right now, right? You're a little tired. I, I get that. But So make sure you take a nap this afternoon, because tonight we have some special stuff going on, don't we? Today, tonight we're going to play and pray in the new year. So it's going to be a great opportunity for our FBC family to come around and be part of, uh, part of each other's lives, to connect with each other, uh, to play some board games or table tennis or some things that we'll set up around uh, the church here. And then at the, at the end of the evening, around 1130 or so, we will uh, gather together in here and we will have a, an intentional time uh, of prayer and pray in the new year together, just letting, letting God be, be the king, be the Lord of our, of our lives, of our church of our families, and uh, I'm excited about that. So we'd love to have you here. I know it's late. I know you're like, it's too late. I go to bed. Take a nap this afternoon. I'm telling you, take a power nap and come on, push on, right? It's going to be a great time. Um, I know a lot of you might have family plans, other things maybe going on already. Uh, that's great. I would just encourage you to t- take some time uh, and pause and pray if, if uh, you can't be here, not because you just don't want to go, but if you can't be here, to, to play and pray uh, in your own way, uh, wherever you are, that'd be great, okay? Yes? Yeah, if you're just coming for the prayer time, set your alarms. I would say be down here at 1130. Okay, 1130 tonight would be great. All right. Well, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we're glad that you're here to worship alongside of us. Uh, we are all about Jesus and just uh, worshiping, worshiping him, making much of him. Uh, maybe you want more information about our church. Maybe you want to let us know you are here. Uh, maybe you need a, something prayed for or you want to meet with a pastor or, or something. Uh, you can use that welcome card in the pew rack in front of you and fill that out. We'd lo- love you to do that. And then place it in the offering plate later at the end of the service. And we'll, we're going to be receiving and giving our offering again like we did last week uh, towards the end of the service time, okay? Um, it is a family-friendly service again this week, right? Celebration Sunday, very family-oriented. We're going to do a first part of a message right now. And we'll break it again with uh, some more worship and singing. I will be doing a children's uh, sermon illustration again down here uh, this morning. So kids are going to be welcomed to come up here and sit down with me in a little while. Uh, again, it's okay if your, your kid's a little fussy. It's okay if we have the babies in the, in the sanctuary. This is our family, and we're not going to push you into another room today, okay? So there's no, no children's church, no nursery. We're all here together as one. Amen? Yeah. All right. A few other things I want to let you know about. Lottie Moon, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is still going on, and if you uh, feel led to give to that, you can certainly still do that. There are envelopes in the pew rack in front of you if God has been leading you in that way. Um, you can check that out and place it in the offering plate later on. Uh, we're doing the play and pray in the new year tonight. Uh, there's a, a change in our bulletin. Um, Nika and Nick were coming to share with us about what's going on in their uh, Wycliffe ministry, and uh, they had a loss in their friends and family, and they were, are not going to be able to come out next weekend uh, here. So just be praying for, for Nika and Nick and uh, their friends and family as, uh, as they deal with this loss and uh, attend services. 
uh, next weekend for, for this friend that has, has passed away. So that will not be happening. We'll, we'll give you more information about when we might have them back again uh, when we can. So, of course, there's no potluck for, for that going on, okay? Uh, final thing I want to mention is our Love Does project. We started something new a couple weeks ago. I started doing a, a video post that went out to your email, and it's like on YouTube, and it's also on the Facebook Live feed. Um, we have got a lot of people have seen that, and a lot of people have responded to that uh, in an amazing way. And one of the things I mentioned was a Love Does opportunity to help uh, Ryan and Jesse Wilden and, uh, and now the mall children as well as their children move into their new home. Uh, and that is going to be ready to go and uh, be able to be moving in on Saturday, this coming Saturday. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. Many hands make light work. And I think with the response we could have, we could get this done really, really quick. And we are moving. We are talking about an entire house that's been stored at Ryan's shop as, as the place for storage. And we're going to just load it into a moving truck, load it into trucks and trailers, take it over and unload it. Uh, with all of us doing that, it, it'd probably be a couple hours and, and you know, not. You know, it's, the per, it's, it's the ratio, right? How many boxes per person are you going to lift? With a lot of us, it's a lot less. So we're going to meet here at the church at 845. So we may or may not meet need your vehicle, but you can certainly follow or ride with us over to Ryan's shop to load up. Uh, and then we'll, from there, we'll go to their new house. And when we're done, we'll come back to the church and drop off whoever needs to be dropped off here. But we'd love to have you participate in that and help out. Uh, we did do a sign up on the, on the back uh, wall. I know it's one of those things so many people have heard and seen and know about what's going on, but we don't know or have a clue who's going to respond to that. And the other part of it is this. When something like this goes out, and you have a 1,000 people who have seen this video, people tend to say, oh, well, someone else will take care of it, right? There's certainly someone else going to take care of this. So we don't know that that's true, and we want to make sure if you can come and can commit to that and be a part of that uh, on the Love Does board in the lobby, if you can just sign your name, make sure we know you're, you're able to come and be a part of that. Um, contact the office this week if you feel like you have something bigger to contribute, like I, I have a huge trailer or um, I want to all get the moving van or whatever it is. You, you let us know. And we will um, we'll be able to write you down for those, those commitments as well, okay? So that's this Saturday, the 6th, at 8.45 a.m. here at the church, okay? I think that's about it in your bulletin. We did the play and pray. Uh, your sermon notes are in there. Someone mentioned that uh, it feels a little empty because there's not the scriptures on the side. I am going to be preaching from the scriptures today, okay? But because we were at the conference, it was a little bit, uh, timing was hard to print those out. So you're going to have to follow along and write them down yourself. I know, it's going to be tough. But uh, you can do that on that page, okay? <sighs> All right. We're ready to get started? We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, if you want to turn there in your Bible with me. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to finish up our series uh, called He Will Be Named today. We'll finish that up. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about our series. And just I'm excited that, that my wonder and my family's awe and wonder in, in Jesus during this season has really increased. And I, I hope and pray that yours has as well. Uh, that would be our goal, our focus, right? As, as much materialism, as much uh, commercialism is out there, as much idolatry and, and self-interest is being promoted in the world, um, if I can increase my awe and wonder and affections towards Jesus, um, that, is, that is a goal of mine. That's, that's an endeavor I want to do. So maybe we continue to increase our, our focus on Jesus uh, throughout today as well and throughout the new year as we approach the new year. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of pastors who've done you know, New Year's resolution sermons, and I, I saw a guy work, working on a sermon today like, Happy New Year. Well, why is it going to be happy? And, and today, I just I think there's a focus of our heart that we want to, want to really let God imprint on us that He is the Lord and that He is good and that He will walk alongside of us through this new year, just as He has done every year. And if our focus and heart and mind would be there, we would have a win and a victory, okay? So today, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. We'll go ahead and pray, and we'll get to work. 
Father, we are so grateful to be here today. We're so grateful to be uh, your children and the body and family of God. We ask that as we meet and gather that we would, we would be pleasing to you in what we say and do and what we think. God, that you would, you would change our hearts' affection to be more, more affectionate towards you. That we would, we would let you increase in us and let us decrease. We ask that you would move in our midst today, that you would, you would humble our hearts. You would convict our hearts of sin and convince us of our need for you and our need for truth of the gospel. Challenge us and change us however you see fit. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Isaiah chapter 9. I want to just set the stage again. I've read this passage over and over every week, but I want to set the stage again before we understand what he is to be named. And, and, and I think you've noticed as I've gone through this sermon series, this is a very evident portion of Scripture. Well, he will be named, and we have those four names in, in verse 6 of Isaiah 9 that are very, very prominent, and they're right there. And we ha- I haven't really embraced those, right, as far as this is the sermon title. Today's sermon title is he will be named King of Kings. But those names fit in, and those reasons uh, we're going we're gonna to share in a few minutes why we name uh, why we see him as named King of Kings, all right? So we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 9 and go through verse 7 together. Nevertheless, right, that was the day, the time, the word, he raised his hand and said, I'm willing. I know you're in darkness. I know there's distress. I know there's gloom. I know that there is despair uh, in your life, and, and I want to I be the one to, to shine that light in the darkness. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that in the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoiced at harvest time, and as they rejoice when dividing the spoils. For you have shattered their burdensome yoke. And the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did uh, on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast. And its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Amen. And, and, and we see this, this reigning, ruling and reigning. So we've, we've scoured the entire passage through, <clears throat> through verse 6. Today we're looking at verse 7 more in depth. And, and we see this, this rain coming out, that he will reign and he will rule and his dominion will be vast. And we're going we're to dissect that and see what it means. But, but to me, it went along with a, with a passage of scripture from Revelation. And, and I'll have you turn there later, but this passage in, in Revelation 19 says this, and he has a name written, right? We, he will be named. He has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. And that name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I joked, kind of joked, with the youth a long time ago and, and talking about this passage that, that Jesus actually has his name written on his thigh in some sort of tattoo, right? It's, it's this permanent marking that says he's king of kings and lord of lords and he can mark whatever he wants because that's who he is. But he is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. And what does that mean for you and I today? As we ponder this, as we think about this, what does is, what is the king of kings ruling and reigning mean for us? 
Why is that important? Well, as we face 2018, as we face a new year, as we face a new chapter, right? it doesn't have to be a new year, folks. This is, this is true, just like he is true. It's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Every single moment is a, is a new page, a new chapter, a new season about to be written. But you and I struggle with who is really king in our life, don't we? We struggle with what we put first. We struggle with who we bow down to and what we put our faith in. For you and I, we need to understand that the real king, the only king deserving of our praise is the king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? He is king of kings. So let's look at the first half of this sermon. Why? Why king of kings? What difference should that make? Well, number one, to the king of kings, all kings bow down. All kings will bow down to the king of kings. Well, why is that important? You know, because we, we sometimes worship or, or put, put in front of us or make Lord or king in our life things that won't ultimately be the ultimate authority in our life. We, we, we put things in place of leadership or authority that have no right to be there. And which will eventually bow down to the Lord Jesus himself. Those idols, those other kings, those leaders that we, we trust, the ones we place in our lives as, as little g-gods, they will ultimately bow down to him. Verse, verse 7 says, the dominion will be <clears throat> vast. The dominion of this king of kings will be vast. Well, what does that mean? It, it, it means that these, you know, some, some dominions are localized, right? Some kingdoms are localized. You have, you have the United States, it's kind of a big section of land, and we, you know, we have a kingdom here. It's, we're sovereign in our own way, and we have armies in, to do battle. And other kingdoms are smaller, right? It was less people or less fortitude to, to defend themselves. And, and there are times in history where we see kingdoms rise, and then kingdoms will fall, Kings and kingdoms of this world will never, ever continue forever to exist. They will one day fall, but his, his rule is vast. His rule is vast. And I, I want to look at a verse in Psalm. If you hold your ribbon here, turn to the book of Psalms with me. <clears throat> Just behind, or I'm sorry, in front of Isaiah uh, a little bit. Psalm uh, chapter 72. <clears throat> We'll look at verses 8 through 11 together. <clears throat> you see, so some dominions we have, we see, and some kingdoms are, are localized, but the King of Kings' dominion will reach to every corner of the earth, every place on the earth. Verses 8 through 11 says, and may he rule from sea to sea and from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes kneel before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the, and the coast and islands bring, bring tribute. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all kings bow down to him. All nations serve him. There's a city in there. It's kind of interesting. We did this, this study on Jonah, didn't we, right, recently. And we talked about where he was going. He was fleeing to where? Tarshish, right? And we talked about this being this, like, at that time, the, was the utter, uttermost parts of the earth. He wanted to get as far away from the presence of God as he could. So it's brought up back here in Psalms, this, this idea of Tarshish, right? He said, what did he say? He said in verse uh, 9, he says, may, may the desert tribes kneel before him and his enemies look to dust. May the kings of Tarshish, it, <clears throat> to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the uttermost ends of the earth, those kings 
in places where you have never even dreamed of going, but just know they may exist. May those kings bring tribute, right? May those kings offer gifts. Let all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. There's no corner of the earth. There's no kingdom in the earth that will not bow down to the king of kings and lord of lords. Likewise, there's no hidden corner in our hearts that can escape the king of kings and lord of lords. Turn to the book of Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 2. So not only is his dominion vast on the earth, his dominion, I believe, is vast in our heart. And and that you and I have this opportunity right now to, to embrace in faith and trust in faith in the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have that opportunity right now. But what we're going to see in Scripture in Philippians chapter 2 is, is that one day, no matter if you take advantage of that opportunity to bow down now in your heart, one day everyone will bow down to him. And today we have the opportunity to cry out, Lord, Lord, because on that day when, when there are hearts that are forced to bow down, they'll want to cry out, Lord, Lord, but he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Every knee will bow down. So in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. So let's see what the attitude of Christ Jesus is or was. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, you see this, there's this humility in the King of Kings. And we talk about Christmas, we talk about this season of Advent, we see Christ the Lord coming humbly. He came humbly to serve you and me, and he came lowly, but one day he will be raised up. And he came lowly, and he humbled himself, and he went to the cross. He did something that I couldn't do on my own without him. He did that for me, and he did that for you. When he went to the cross, he he made the way. He paid the way. He paved the way. And this humility that we've seen, the humility that we see in the cross and in the humility of Christ, we see in verse 9 coming to this fruition. And for this reason, because he was humbled, because he humbled himself, and because he served, for this reason, God, the Father, highly exalted him. And he gave him the name that is above most names, some name, every name. He gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and those under the earth, every corner, right? And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. Listen, you and I have a king of kings, and our faith and trust should be in the faithful king of kings, amen? He's the one that's going to be faithful to the end. He's the one before which every single knee will bow, every single king will bow, and every one of us will be humbled ultimately. So right now we have this opportunity. Right now he's saying, I'm, I'm faithful right now. You don't have to wait to stand before me one day and, and where, I, where I, my presence and my glory alone pushes you to your knees. Right now you can say, I've got nothing. I'm, I'm absolutely empty without you. I have, I have nothing to offer you that you would accept 
and just go to your knees now and cry out, Lord, you are the King of kings. And, and with you and, and by you and by your glory, every knee will bow. Every king will bow. There is nothing in my heart that I, that I want to pursue more than the King of kings because he has all authority. And every knee will bow before him. There's no hidden corner in the earth or no hidden corner of our heart that will be exempt from his rule. Nowhere. How will you be found? Will you be found as one who has already surrendered to him? Or will you be found as one who must be forced to kneel because of his glory? Because one day every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess Yep, he's Lord. He's the King of kings to the glory of God the Father. So my question is this, as we, as we move forward in this time, as we move forward in the new year, as we move forward in looking at Scripture, my question is, who is your king? Or, or what is your God? What is, what is the thing you are allowing to reign over your life? What is the person or, or, or the situation that you're letting rule and define you? And I would submit to you and, and to me, the word submits, that we would put Jesus in that place. Amen? That he would be on the throne of our lives and we would remove us from it. Every knee will bow. Next thing, number two, why is he the king of kings? Well, because his kingdom has no end. His kingdom has no end. We talked about this earlier, that, that king, kingdoms and kings rise and they fall. Right? We don't, in, in our country, we don't like a leader today. Well, in a few years, that's going to change. Right? It just happens. Kings rise and fall. Kingdoms rise and fall. But back to, back to Isaiah verse uh, 7, he says, His dominion is vast and his prosperity will never end. His prosperity will never end. Nations will rise and fall, but his will not end. In our Luke, in Luke passage, we talk about Christmas, right? There's a, the angel came in, in verse 31 of Luke 1. He said, now listen, Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will what? Give him the throne of his father David. In verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob for a little while. Forever. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Uh, to me, I think that trusting in a king and kingdom that will have no end is far better than trusting in any king or kingdom on this earth that will end. Now, we have to live in the country we live. Well, you don't have to. I guess you could leave, right? But we live in the country in which we live. And there are laws we have to follow and, and things we have to put up with, and that's just part of life. But my hope is not in this king. My hope is not in this kingdom. My hope should be in the king of kings and lord and lords because every knee will bow before him and his kingdom will never, ever end. It will never end. I will turn to Isaiah. If you, you go back in front of, um, I'm sorry, after, after Isaiah, uh, turn to Daniel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. We're in chapter 7. We love the word, don't we here? 
We love flipping pages. I love hearing that wrestling out there with the pages. Just, yeah, let's go to it. It's good. Sometimes I wonder, like, oh, I need to make him turn less. But no, just turn to Daniel, chapter 7. It's good. It's good for us. You know, what we, what we do, and I want us to set the stage for this passage, what, what we do, we tend to do, because we're fearful sometimes, and we're, we're insecure sometimes, and we're, we're hurt sometimes, and the circumstances of our life, it's just we have pressure and anxiety and stress and fear. We tend to give authority to small, small little powers, little powers that are temporary, the ones that won't last forever. And we give, we give them so much more power than they even can, can actually have in our lives. <clears throat> and we give authority to the, to the idols in our life, to the, the habits in our lives, to people and relationships. We give authority where authority should not be given. And I want to see, what, I want you to see this glimpse that Daniel saw as he thought about one day, the end times, <clears throat> what would be different. We're in Daniel chapter uh, 7, we're going to start actually at verse 12. And we'll read through uh, verse 14. 12 to 14. He says, And for the rest of the beast, their authority to rule was what? Removed. But an extension of life was granted for them for a certain period of time. But their authority was removed. You see, one day these, these things that we're giving power to will have no power anymore. And then where will you be? Where will I be if we have put our, our trust and our hope in things that have no power in our lives? We'll be powerless and lost. What Daniel's saying is these things, the power they have will be removed, and actually they don't have the power you think they have. He says in verse 13, I continued watching in the night visions, and I saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days who was escorted before, and was escorted before him. He, here's verse 14, he, this, this one that looked like the Son of Man, right, was given authority, this is Jesus Christ, was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, every nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is, everlast, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. See, if we're to give authority to power, let's give authority to the power of the king of kings, that he would be the one that reigns, that he would be the one that has the last word, that when you and I feel lost, we would be found because he is victorious over all. That's, that's where we have to rest. That's where we have to hope is in the glory of God and Jesus Christ as a conquering king of king. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It will not pass away. It will not be destroyed. So are you trusting, am I trusting in a king or a God, a little g God that can be destroyed, that is temporary, that isn't holding any weight of authority or power? Listen, we are talking about an anchor for our souls here. And when you place your anchor on something that is crazy and wild and moving and doesn't have the authority and power to be steady, you will feel jerked around at every corner. You will feel messed up at every turn because you're being dragged along with whatever you gave power to drag you along. But God... The Ancient of Days has given authority to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, to be a ruler whose dominion would be steady and vast and eternal, one that will not fade away. So our trust is to be in him. Amen? We are to rest and find our rest in him.
So as we look, as we look forward to 2018, I, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to a new year. Trust me, I'm looking forward to getting out of 2017. But for all intensive purposes, tomorrow is another day. Just another day. It's a, but it's another day where you and I can choose to find rest and anchor our souls in the one who has power and victory for us. Amen. That's where we find rest for our souls. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing a couple more songs and we'll go back into the rest of the sermon in a minute. Worship team, come on up. And so for you and I, as we continue in worship, may we, may we ponder and think how great is our God, how, how big he is, how faithful he is. And, and listen, as we, every time we worship, worship is a response, amen? You know, I usually have that, that response time at the end of the service. The honest thing is, every time we sing it out to God, our praise should be a response to who he is and what he's done in our life and how, how, much, how much grace he's imparted to us. So as we, as we stand together, let's stand, and we're going to pray, and, and I want you just to focus your heart and mind on this anchor for our souls. Let's, let's pray together. God, we are so grateful to be here today. We're so grateful that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you will reign victoriously. God, help us to relinquish that throne of our lives to you and, and, and to, to take off any authority or power or, or idol or distraction or, or little G God that we've placed there. That we would take a back seat and put the King of kings and Lord of lords on the seat on the throne of our lives. That we would find rest and hope because you are an anchor to our soul. We praise you today and we want to just praise you with all we've got because of who you are. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My head is, you could hear in my voice. His head so is we're going to have we're a come into prayer here. <laughs> Holy Father, we just thank you for allowing us to be here with you this morning and, and the opportunity to start out a new year, fresh and clean. And the only way we can be fresh and clean is with you and you guiding us and you being in control of everything that we do. We just thank you again in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, time for children's church. So, someone have the children come on up. You guys want to come on up, the kids? Uh, zero to sixth grade, if you want to come on up. Yeah, Scotty, you want a front row seat. And parents, feel free to accompany them, but also feel free to hold on to them too. You can have a seat right on the floor here, you guys. Okay, come on up. <clears throat> come on over. I've got a bag. What is this, a bag of laundry? I've just been so busy, I thought maybe one of you could take this home and wash it for me. Oh, you are? Oh, man. Little man, you're awesome. All right. Okay. Well, today we're talking about Jesus, right? Have you heard some of the things I've been saying? What, what have I called Jesus today? What did I name him? What's his name? Okay, Prince of Peace. We talked about that. What else? Let's see if we can figure it out. Okay, let's see what's in here. What? It's not Bibles. It's all kinds of different hats. Yeah. Oh. You think you know what this is about? Let's start with this one. And, and they're my hats. No, not really. They're my, my kids' hats, right? What kind of hat is this? A soldier. A soldier hat. A soldier wears that hat. Wes, do you want your soldier hat? There you go, buddy. <laughs> He's a soldier. Okay, so a soldier wears that hat, right? We can tell a lot by what maybe someone's profession is or what they do by the hats that they wear, right? And that's a soldier helmet. Okay, he's good to go. Let's get another one here. Oh, here's, here's a good one right here. 
This is a good, the best one right here. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, I, if you saw me wearing this hat, who, what kind of people wear this hat? Los Angeles people, Dodger fans, or maybe a baseball player, right? This is a baseball cap, right? So when you go to play baseball or softball, you wear a cap, right? And a visor helps keep the sun under your eyes. That's, that's a good hat right there, okay? You want to you wear that for a minute? Okay, for a minute, right? All right, next hat. <clears throat> I'm so proud of you for not booing. Thank you. You guys did so good. You knew I was sensitive and you didn't want to hurt my feelers. I appreciate that. Okay, what is this hat? You, adventure hat? A jungle, jungle adventure hat. It's Indiana Jones, kind of, yeah, but it's in a jungle adventure hat, right? So maybe someone going in the jungle would wear that. Oh, thanks. There you go, buddy. Okay, good job. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, he, he's used to these, I think. Okay, let's get another one here. Oh, here's a good one right here. Chase would love this one. I think Chase. It's not the A's hat. Sorry, Chase. <clears throat> right? Donuts, right? A donut maker, right? Krispy Kreme donuts, right? No, no, we don't ruin that. That's okay. Okay, so let's see another one here. Oh, here's one right here. Okay. Who wears that hat? Fireman. Fireman, right? Right, it says fireman right on it, right? Yeah. Junior firefighter, Mount Shasta Fire. You know where it? All right, cool. All right, let's see. Oh, I got another one there. That's a good one there. Well, a couple good ones. Okay, good. Yeah. Construction worker, right? Right. Do you like that one too? Yeah. There you go. There you go. He got that for Christmas. It was good. Yeah. He's got little goggles to go with it and drill and ear thing. Yeah, it's cool. So that's a construction worker helmet. Good job, buddy. All right. Where are we at? Uh, this one right here. This one right here. That one. Right there. Right down. Okay. There we go. What's McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> if you work at McDonald's, you wear that. Okay. Yeah. Lainey, do you like uh, Frosties from McDonald's or ice cream cones? Do you, here, you can wear that one, sweetie. Okay. You wear your helmet, buddy. Okay. All right. Next one. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. A cowboy hat, right? Okay. Cowboy. So like rodeo guy, cowboy, right? Howdy, partner. Country Western singer. Right. Okay. All right, so we talked about that name, right, what, what we named Jesus, and, and we're going to talk about this. This is this, this hat. It's a king hat. I'll, I'll wear it. I'll wear it. We're good. I'll wear it. You're, Mr. Realtree here doesn't have one, okay? Do you want to you wear one? You can wear the crown. There you go, buddy. Jolie doesn't have one. We'll take and pass that one on to Jolie over there, okay? All right, so we all are wearing different kinds of hats, right? Here, here's what happens sometimes, okay? What, here, what I want you to know is that Jesus is the king. He's named the king of kings, all right? And what was your name again? Is it Jason? Is that right? Jacob. Jacob, you're not the king of kings, but you have a king's crown on. Here's what we do sometimes. We, we, don't, we don't get comfortable wearing our other hats, like our, maybe your soldier or maybe you're working in the McDonald's or you're a Dodgers fan or a baseball player or a cowboy. We, we get uncomfortable, and what we do, we take our hats off and our helmets off, and sometimes we put the king's crown on our head, right? Yeah. And we make, we make us be the king. Now, it's fun to play, and it's okay that Jacob's wearing that today, right? But Jesus is the king because your hair is long. Yeah. But Jesus is the king. 
And for you and I, what I, what I want you to know and what I want you to, to embrace is that Jesus can be the one that's in charge of your life. Jesus can be the one that, that sits on, on this throne and he has power over your life. Can he be your boss, do you think? Hey, bud. Yeah. yeah, he can be the boss, right? He can be the, the guy that directs your life. He can be, and, and Jesus is a really, really good king, isn't he? I want you to think about this. <clears throat> are there some kings that are bad? Yeah. yeah. Are there some rulers and leaders that, that aren't very good? Right? Even parents, right, who are in charge of you, sometimes don't make the best decisions, do they? They don't. But guess who's always, always the best? Guess who's always the best? Jesus, the King of Kings, is always the best ruler. So what I want you to remember today is that you can put Jesus in that place as the best ruler in your life, and you don't have to be there by yourself, okay? Can we pray together? Let's pray. God, we are so, so thankful that you that you are the king, and that we don't have to place ourselves on that throne. We don't have to trust anyone but you, and that you are a good king, and that you, you've gone to the cross for us, and you died for us, that you love us so much, that you're leading us and guiding us to heaven to be with you. We thank you for what you've done and what you've accomplished on the cross, and that, God, we can be covered by you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right. Thanks, you guys. Give me a hand. Put the hats back in here. Now put it here. Put it in there, buddy. Yep. Take that with mama. All right. Thanks, you guys. It's like, I want that. Oh, you want the cowboy hat. Come on. Let's go, buddy. Howdy, partner. <laughs> oh, that's my boy. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're back in Isaiah, right? Back to our text. Get ready to, to turn to some other spots in our text as well. Oh, I love days like that. That's fun stuff. That's fun. All right, let me find my page of my notes here. All right, so we, we talked about the fact that Jesus is named King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right, and very, very real, true to the illustration today, what we do, we, we tend to put that crown on ourselves, don't we? Or put it on something else or someone else, when really it belongs on the King of Kings and Lord and Lords and Lord of Lords. So he he is the King, and and we we saw uh, number one is that every king will bow down to him. There's not one person will be exempt, not one heart will be exempt from that bowing. Uh, the second thing we saw is that his kingdom will have no end. It's not a king that will rise and fall, or a kingdom that will rise and fall. It will have no end. And number three, where we're going next is this: the King of Kings is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. And this is one of the, the most important aspects of this. All of these are important, but to really understand in our heart, because I think there's a switch that has to take place in our heart. Like this, this switch has to flip so we can really embrace the King of kings and Lord of lords and bow down to him and let him, let him reign victoriously for us. There has to be this switch in our heart. And it's very difficult for us to switch that. But, but here's what this text says in, in verse 7 of Isaiah 9. The dominion will be vast, his prosperity will never end. In the next part, he will reign. He will reign, right? Rule, reign on the throne of David and, his, uh, and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. He will establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness. Here's what happens in life. Life happens, doesn't it? Circumstances arise and things come up that really hurt. 
We have seasons in our life and circumstances in our life that cause a lot of pain, deep, deep pain. But this, this switch has to be flipped because if we, if we stay in our pity party, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And shame and fear and guilt, those things begin to invade and cloud and darken our life and our, our despair increases. All the while, Jesus is there. I want to reign over that bad parade. I know that you had something bad happen. God, God's not far from you. He knows exactly what's happened in your life. He knows exactly the circumstance that has, has occurred. In fact, it's likely he allowed that, right? He allowed that knowing that he could be the ultimate rescue for you and that people would be able to see victorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords conquering over that circumstance if you allow him to do that. There are circumstances of deep despair that, that invade in our life. But we have a choice to make. Are we going to run to the one who is faithful and true? Or are we going to run to ourselves or a habit or a darkness or a despair and let that circumstance envelop us? See, Jesus wants us to run to him. He doesn't want us to feel like we're drowning in despair. And it doesn't mean he doesn't want us to feel pain or feel grief or feel sorrow because we certainly feel those things deeply, don't we? Jesus felt those things deeply and he can relate to those things. But he is a conqueror. And for you and I, we, we tend to like to play, the, play the, uh, the role of the victim too often. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that you haven't been a victim. Don't stay a victim. Don't allow Satan to keep you a victim of your circumstances. God wants, God wants something different. God wants to reign over that. God wants to take what was horrible and he wants to redeem it, to buy it back, to, to pay for it and make something out of the ashes that is beautiful. Amen? That's what he wants to do. So he is faithful and true. There's a king who is more than sufficient for you and for me. Turn your, your Bibles to the book of Revelation. This is going to get deeper than just he's there to walk you through your circumstances. Revelation chapter 19, and we'll be in 21 as well. The very last book of the Bible. Some of the last chapters of the book. We get to read the end first. It's kind of nice, right? Jesus wins, right? Yeah, that's, that's the end. Listen, life hurts and there are are really tough seasons. But God is ready to be faithful and to conquer those anxieties, to conquer those fears, to conquer that shame and guilt, and to walk with you through it. You and I don't have to wallow anymore in shame and guilt because he was faithful. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. Oh, that's a 19? 19. Go back. 19. We'll do that first. 19, 11 through 16. I read a part of this earlier, and I want us to see this, this faithfulness of God. This is at the very last, this is Armageddon. This is Armageddon, is what they're, they're describing here. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse, and its rider was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and his, on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe stained with blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
The armies uh, that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. From his mouth came a sharp sword so that with it he might strike the nations. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter and he will also trample on the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is faithful and true. And, and see, in this truth, you have to understand this, this dynamic. We, we are just not hunky-dory because Jesus is faithful and true. It's because of what he did because he's faithful and true. He had to deal with sin. He had to deal with this, this despair. He had to deal with this darkness that we have. There is an issue, isn't there? It's called my rebellion against God. And God has to exhibit his justice, his truth against that. And his truth is this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. That there is a wrath, that there is an anger, there is a fierceness from God that must punish sin. But we see in, in Jesus, it, it demonstrated and poured out, God's wrath was poured out on him on the cross. And that's how God demonstrates his justice. That's how God made justice, was on Jesus And I want you to see this illustration, the imagery, that when he comes back, he's coming back with a sword out of his mouth to judge, right? He's faithful and true, and he's going to judge. There are some of those who have not trusted in in faith and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some who have not let the justice that God had on Jesus be the justice for them. So as Jesus rides back, his robe is is dipped in blood. It's stained in blood. And the the armies of heaven, his, his bride is riding behind him, and theirs are all dirty and tattered too, aren't they? No, they're not. They're white and pure and clean and unstained because Jesus is faithful and true to us. And what he accomplished through the blood, what was accomplished as God's wrath was poured out on Jesus was freedom for you and for me. As we would embrace Christ, as we would obey Christ, as we would believe that Jesus did that for us and in faith go to him and trust him to forgive us Trust him to give us a white robe that he would do that. See, that's God's judgment. That's his justice. That's how he's faithful and true. See, that truth of him is all about justice. Sin has to be paid for. But God was faithful to put it on Jesus so that you and I could stand before him righteous and perfect and pure because the lamb went to the cross for us. And, and listen, we take on these, this weight of guilt still. You're on the horse behind him. You've got the white robe. Stop letting guilt and sin and shame define who you are. Jesus has done it all. The despair and, and thoughts of self-harm and, and thoughts of, of darkness that cloud your mind. Jesus has already gone there for you. It's already been done. It's already been accomplished. He accomplished it. Life is going to hurt, and those seasons are going to come and go. And what he's promised is, I, I, I've conquered that for you. Let me walk through that with you. Let's redeem that so that all people can see that I, God, am faithful and true. Then go to Revelation 21. There's a hope that we cling to, a hope that we know, and we, we even know that this hope is, is for us even today, but it's, this is what it's going to be in the end. 21, 1 through 6. 
John sees, and this is after Armageddon has happened, and he sees, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. There's a lot of imagery details in this. There's a lot of, of things we wonder, like, why, why is there no sea in heaven? Right? Well, and this is, this is stuff that we can't quite fathom 100%. One of the things that, to think about, we talk about like the sin that envelops us and judgment and guilt that envelops us. Like We, we are condemned under, under the own weight of our sin, aren't we? And we talked about this in Jonah, when Jonah went into the sea and he talked about the sea and the water and the ocean and the depths of that being almost like a judgment there. So as I look at this, and maybe there's no sea in heaven, but, I, but what I think about this is, is God's, that, that, that enveloping, that, that weight, that heaviness of judgment is not there. Because he's taken care of it all, hasn't he? So you go there, there's, there's no sea, there's no, there's no place for me to be judged, there's no place for me to drown in my, in my grief and in my pain. He's taken care of it all. I also saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Oh, that sounds familiar, the throne, right? The place he rules because he's king of kings and lord of lords. The place in front of which every knee will bow in heaven and earth, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Look, God's dwelling is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be, uh, will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the thirsty from the springs of living water as a gift. This is what God is doing for us. So as you look as he is faithful and true, we have to have that anchor for our soul in him. And our hope is, is for the long haul. It's for the duration. Not only has he conquered the pain and the guilt and the, and the weight and the wrath of sin and death in our life for now, he's also promised the Holy Spirit to us and said that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old is gone. Behold, all things are new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? That we are new. And he says, hold on to that because I'm going to continue to conquer. I'm going to walk with you through this life. I'm going to continue to be faithful because I am true. And at the end, one day, one day, there will be a day when he wipes away every tear. When every pain is gone. Every struggle that we, we have faced and endured and that he has endured alongside of us will be no more. And we will enjoy the glory of God forever. Amen? See, that's a hope that we cling to. That's a hope that we know. He is faithful and he is true. Let him be faithful in your life. Let the truth of what he's done on the cross impact your heart. That your faith, that your belief would embrace that. And you would live victoriously because he has conquered. Amen? He makes all things new. So, what or who will be your God? Are you trusting in something else to be faithful? Are you trusting in someone else to be faithful and true? Are you trusting in someone else's opinion or another self-help book's guidance in your life? Or are you trusting in the true word of God, the true message of the gospel of Jesus, 
and in the faithful one who went to the cross for you and for me. I want to put my trust in the King of Kings. I want my faith to be in him. And finally, number four, the King of Kings has the victory. The King of Kings has the victory. If you didn't catch that from the passages we just read, that's what it's talking about. He has the victory. Right? His dominion will be vast. The prosperity will never end. He will reign on the, on the throne of his father David and establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. In the last part of verse 7 in chapter 9 of Isaiah says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What does that mean? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It means he's not relying on any of us to get it done. That he will get it done. I want the victory. I hope you do too. I want to I I know and be victorious because Christ was victorious. You know, it, it, it's, so, it's so easy for us to do it on our own, isn't it? To try and attempt to do it on our own. I, when I was 16 years old, I was driving my truck down the road. And I didn't know any better, but the engine heated up, and then what happened? It didn't, it didn't go well, right? It, on the side of the road, I'm there, why, why isn't this starting? Why is it so hot? Well, my antifreeze leaked out, and I, my engine blew up. So at the age of 16, I got a lesson in rebuilding a 350 Chevy engine. It was great. My, my, my family had a friend, a mechanic friend, who was you know, a certified mechanic. And he said, well, bring it over to my house. We'll get a crate engine, and we'll put it in, and I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Oh, piece of cake. That sounds good. Now, back then, it was a little bit easier, wasn't it? Today, I open my hood. I'm like, what is this? I don't know what's going on. But back then, this old 350 engine was pretty simple to work on and to, to assemble. And I say pretty simple because I'm like, it's done and it was good. It was not simple, right? It was not a simple thing. I was a 16-year-old high school student, had, had been to auto shop one time. I learned how to change my oil, right? I knew how to, t- I knew how to change a tire. And I'm, I'm oh, I'll, I'll be over there in my truck and we'll, we'll get her done. And it, it took a while to do that. It took several days, right, to do that together. And today, you know, just because I rebuilt a, an engine with my friend, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> right? I, I may, maybe a hobby one day, and I have a garage and a space to rebuild a, a Chevy engine, maybe I'll do that, but, but I'm not ready to do that. If my truck bro- breaks down tomorrow, I'm not going to spend the next couple of days working on my engine because I can take care of it. But see, and that's just it's common sense, right? That just sounds smart. But why do we put the weight of things on our shoulders that don't belong there? I should not rebuild the engine of my truck. I should take it to an expert, shouldn't I? I should take it to someone who who can conquer that for me, who can take care of that for me, who can have the actual victory because I know I cannot. I may lose a finger. I'm probably going to bruise an ego for sure at some point trying to build my, my own engine. Let's let the expert take care of those things. And we tend to want to take care of spiritual matters, even, even greater matters than a truck engine on our own, don't we? We want to be the Lord of our lives. We want to be the, the one that's in charge and calling the shots. But guess what? You don't have the victory outside of Jesus. Only Jesus had the victory. And because he had the victory, you and I can have the victory. We're still okay, we're in Isaiah. Maybe you're in Revelation still. Go back to Isaiah. Uh, chapter 59, our last text of the day. Isaiah chapter 59. <clears throat> I want to just give that image one more time here of the futility of our thinking that we can do it on our own. That it's all going to work out. I want to show the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Because he's better. He's better at replacing the engine. He's better at being victorious in our lives. So we're in Isaiah chapter 59, and we're looking at verses 14 through 17. 
It's given a description here. It says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. For truth has stumbled in the public square and honesty cannot enter. Man, that sounds real familiar, doesn't it? That sounds like the day in which we live. Verse 15, truth is missing and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw that there was no justice and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So his own arm brought salvation and his own righteousness supported him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance, of clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. You see, this is the imagery. God God looked and said, they cannot do this on their own. So you know what? I am the King of kings and Lord of lords. I will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I will accomplish for them what they could never accomplish on their own. I will be their king. I will be victorious. I will let them have the victory because I had the victory. And I will do it by my own zeal and by my mighty right hand. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus has the victory, amen? He's the one that conquers. And when he looks down and says, man, you just cannot get it right. They're not going to do it on their own. He knows that's, that's where he has to come in and intercede. So in this new year, in this new year time, you and I need a king that will never fail. You and I need a king that will reign over our wayward soul as an anchor for it, don't we? We need a king who can accomplish what we cannot accomplish. And we need a king who will continue to make all things new. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and the ushers to come up at this time as well. Um, we did this last week. This is a time for a response and in our heart. And uh, we have Chuck, come on up to you. You're going to sing special music, I believe. Chuck's going to sing a special song, and uh, we're going to receive the offering as he does that as well. Actually, it might be easy. I don't know if you want to sit down. Or sit down or stand up. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Chuck's going to, you can stand while Chuck sings, okay? Then I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to explain our, our, our I'm going to read one thing to you before we get into our last kind of time of worship and prayer, okay? But let's, let's give our gifts and, and offering. Let's, uh, let's listen to, to what's on Chuck's heart from, from the word and from the, the music. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your love. In your grace, thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we need a king that will never fail, and that's you. We need that king that's going to make all things new, and that's you. We thank you for that. God, help us to respond to you as we, as we give right now of our, of our gifts of offering. God, I pray that you would be blessed by that, that you would be using those for your glory to, to further your kingdom, that people would know Jesus because of, of the way we give. God, and as we worship you, that you would be honored and blessed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to examine ourselves and examine our priorities. Here's what it says. No other king commands our full attention. No other names above all other names. No other thrones rule over every nation. No other God deserves our highest praise. No other death could buy our sweet redemption. No other blood could wash away our shame. No other cross could lead to resurrection. No other God deserves our highest praise. And listen, as we, as we get that truth, there should be a response. And here's what the song goes on. It says, So I raise my hands until my strength has faded. I stand in honor till my knees give way. I will lift my voice and shout a grateful song. I will sing, I will sing until my voice is gone. No other hope can make our hearts courageous. No other peace can make us stand up brave. 
No other love has, learned, has earned our full affection. No other God deserves our highest praise. He says, so when we've exhausted every single way, with our bodies weak and our voices strained, you are still the song in us that never ends. And we can't help but stand and start it all again. Why? Because no other God, no other king deserves our highest praise. As we stand and worship and conclude our service, uh, I, I want to offer an opportunity for you to pray. And I've asked uh, Charity and Hoyt to come and, and be up here with me. And we're just going to be in front. We're going to worship together in response to God. But if, if you'd like to pray with somebody, gra- grab one of us. Come, come up here and, and have a prayer with us. We'd love to pray for you, whatever the struggle might be going on in your life. Just as we sing, let's worship God, let's respond to God, let's pray, let's, let's support and encourage one another, all right? Let's sing, guys.